So, in the past few weeks, I've been listening to some different stories, and I heard a story of two individuals who found themselves. The first individual was on a fishing trip, and this is not like Gilligan's Island, like a three-hour cruise kind of thing. No, this was like big-time fishing off the coast of California. They rented the boat. They rented all the tackle and everything. They even had a boat that had like places underneath where they would sleep. And so they left out at the beginning of the weekend and went out deep into the water to cast their um, lines and to catch their fish. So after days of fishing and spending time together, they decided that it was time to head back, but it was evening. And so they, most of the, t- of the folks that went on the trip went downstairs into their bunk rooms and went to sleep while one stayed up to drive the boat and to take it back into um, Catalina Bay. As he was driving the boat, there were some choppy seas, and he went over to the side of the boat to get something and accidentally fell overboard in the middle of the night. And as he came up and he looked out, there was nothing as far as he could see except the boat heading away. He could see the stars up in the sky and he could recognize that he was still a very, very long way off from the coast. But he also recognized no one had heard him on the boat. And the boat just kept going. And it was true. No one knew exactly when it was that he had fallen off the boat, and by the time they realized that he had, it was morning. Hours and hours and hours had passed, and they didn't know what to do. When they called into the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard said, this is a hopeless hopeless search. It's going to be like looking for a needle in a haystack. This man spent the evening and into the morning bobbing there in the water, of the open ocean, contemplating his life, knowing that it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he would die, and trying to decide if it was best for him just to find a way of diving down deep and and drowning himself to keep from having to deal with drowning on his own. But the fact that I'm telling you this story means that he was discovered. And so he talks about the fact that in the midst of all this, of going through all this stuff through his head, that as he looked up into the stars and as he looked up at the morning um, sun that was coming up, he reevaluated who he was and he, he found himself being drawn to God. And so it was in those waters that he found himself. And he has sought ever since to go and to tell his story and about how that has moved him to be someone who seeks a life that makes a difference in this world. Now, interesting enough, this story is also about another man who found himself, but in a much different way. This person found himself by throwing things into the ocean and watching where they went. This other individual had an emotional experience when he was working with the Coast Guard and with the um, with National Oceanic and um, the, with NOAA. And over a weekend, he watched as a family who had been out on a sailboat, their sailboat capsized, and 
Some of the family members fell off and they could not find the people and they perished. And this, this held on him and it grabbed him deep on his heart and he said, there has to be something that is done. And so he spent the next years of his life working for the government, developing a program, developing a mathematical equation to track how things drifted at sea. He figured that out by taking things like boats and throwing them into the water, people, things, mattresses, all this, and he tracked how it is that the ocean currents took things in different ways, and he realized that it depended on what time of day it was, where the lunar cycle was, how big the mass was that he threw into the water, how small, how long they had before they could save him. But the fact is, is that because of his work, because he was able to find who he was inside of him, now the Coast Guard finds so many more people when they fall overboard than they did before. If it was not for him, there was this guy who tried to kill himself, ran as fast as he could. He may have been a little inebriated, but he ran as fast as he could off of, his, um, off of the boat that he was traveling on, the cruise ship in the Caribbean, out into the middle of nowhere of night. They still found him because this guy, this guy had tracked how things drift at sea. There are all kinds of ways to find ourselves. There are all kinds of different callings in our lives. Jesus finds himself in the Solomon's portico on the way to church. Now, most of us don't recognize what the, uh, the, uh, the uh, festival of dedication is, but that's Hanukkah. I don't know if you kind of caught that from what Marjorie was reading today. It was in the wintertime. This is before, okay, we celebrated Christmas. That's another whole conversation. If you come on um, for coffee, we can talk about it this week. But Jesus is there in Jerusalem for this special time. He's going to church because that's just part of who he is. That's part of the way that he lives his life as a Jewish male. This is a time that he goes to the temple. It's a high holy day for him. It's not as big as Passover, which will come in the spring. But instead, he comes here. And as he is making his way into the temple, to this holy place, to worship, to spend time with friends and to delve into the scriptures that they had, the people stop him. We don't know if this is the people that are on their way in to church with him, if these are religious authorities that are on their way into the temple as well, but they stop him and they say, just tell us plainly, who are you? Because they've seen all the stuff that's going on around them. They've seen these, they call them signs in John's Gospels. They're not miracles, they're signs that point to who Jesus is. And Jesus says, haven't you been paying attention don't you know who I am? What I do comes from who I am. And I am one with God. I am the good shepherd. What's interesting about this is that they were going to church to seek 
understand God, to be in communion with God in a different way. And it's on the outskirts of the temple, in the place that they were supposed to prepare to enter into church, that Jesus gives this, them this thing to chew on, that who we are is part of who we are as people who worship. We're talking this month, this time from Easter through Pentecost about spiritual gifts. And we could just say spiritual gifts are those things that you do in the church. A lot of times that's what you get. You think spiritual gifts, that's what Chad does. Chad stands up here and does his little thing and talks to us and and researches the scriptures. That's a spiritual gift. Somebody standing up here and reading scripture Somebody praying up here or, or playing the, you know, the piano or bringing us music or, those, or teaching worship and wonder that those are spiritual gifts. But the reality is that's such a narrow way of understanding what spiritual gifts are. And it just leaves out a ton of stuff along the way. Because spiritual gifts at the very essence of what they are are tied to who we are. Now, which is kind of fascinating because I am an I-N-T-J. How many of you know what that is? Wow, interesting. I am, that's the Myers-Briggs type indicator. You may have tried this before. If you want to know where to do this, it's a very interesting thing. 16 different types that you can be. I am an I. I'm introverted. Just put your mouths up. I am introverted. That means that, now I'm right on that scale, that you're introverted, extroverted. I do receive some of my energy when I am with a group of people. So when I do this piece here, when I teach um, a Bible study, that does feed me. But primarily, I find the energy for what I do in things that are more solid, found in solitude, kind of quiet, things that nurture me, sometimes in a book, sometimes in music, sometimes in a movie, sometimes hiking. Those are the things that nurture me. I just like to say I'm a learned extrovert, but I'm right there on there. I'm an N. That's intuitive. That means that as I go into a room, I don't just see what's out there. I feel it a little bit as well. Does that resonate with any of you? Do you ever walk into a room and you're like, ooh, somebody's dealing with something in here? Or maybe you're sitting down with your friend over a cup of coffee and you ask that question first thing, how are you doing? You know what they say? Fine. And you're like, (laughs) okay, let's talk. That's that intuitive part of your brain that's back in there that just senses things. I am, I'm a T and an F, a feeling and a thinker. I exist a significant amount up in my head, and so that T is there. I also feel a significant amount. That's one of those ones that I kind of go back and forth on. But the J, that J is pretty solid. That means that once I kind of make up my mind, once I kind of get to a point and I've gathered as much information as I possibly can, I can make a decision. Take the test indicator. See what it is that you come up with. Because I think that when we begin to understand who we are, 
We get a chance to understand what drives us and what gifts are inside of us. See, that's what's fascinating about this is is that when Jesus is invited and they say, tell us who you are, Jesus also says, watch what I do. What he does, how he lives his life, the things that he does and the ways that he interacts with everybody else is reflective about who we are inside. So the fact that we come here on Sunday mornings and we say, well, what is your spiritual gift? What is it that you're being called to do? We hope and we pray and we know that that should come from who you are. Because if you're just doing something because somebody called you up and said, hey, we need you to do this. We need you to teach Sunday school. And you're like, well, I don't really want to teach Sunday school, but Chad called me. And if I don't do it, then I'm probably going to go to hell. So I need to teach Sunday school. If that works on you, let me know. I may give you a call this week. But you're like, I know Chad. Chad doesn't believe in that. That's not the way. So Chad's not going to do that. But I digress. So here's the thing, though. It's what it is and who we are should come from deep down inside. If you're that extroverted person and you know that that's what brings you joy, you may throw a party better than anybody out there. You can work the room. You get energy. You you prepare everything, you get everything ready, and it just feeds you as you sit there and enjoy all that time together. But if you're introverted, if that's who you are inside, then maybe you're more the singular cup of coffee kind of person. I've been reading books, you know, at different times, and and, uh, I do read every now and then. But um, and one of the books that I read, and I mentioned this, months ago, and I told you it was fun, and I told you I'd come back to it. It's called The Lightmaker's Manifesto. This is a book about a woman who sought is what it was that she was going to live her life, the calling that was inside of her. And it's a beautiful book, and if you want to know um, more about it, it's a terrific one. But the whole thing is, is the, um, the book, she keeps, uh, she keeps referring to this appendices, that I've put this in the back, and you need to check it out. And when you go there, the first thing that she tells you to do is to start a journal. That before you can know what it is that you're passionate about, before you know what it is that you're being called to do and to be in this world, you first need to know who you are. And so, she says, first thing to do before you set out to do and to change the world, find out who you are. Write down little things. Keep a journal for 30 days. Little things that you do. It can be what you think is not even inconsequential. Just put it down. Write it down. The stuff that's in your head, just let it pour out. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about spelling. Just keep a journal for 30 days. I continued to listen and to read about other people. And every time that people start talking about who we're we're being called to be, things were to do in this world, they always start with knowing who you are. So I hope, I hope that you're seeking deep down inside of who you are first. That's why Jesus spent time away from others. It's why he went off into the wilderness Jesus understood that everything that he did flowed from who he was. He knew 
And to know our actions is to know who we are. It's not easy. It is a difficult, it is a difficult journey to begin to understand who we are, what it is that drives us. I... I've recognized throughout, <laughs> throughout a lot of journaling, throughout a lot of, of things in my life, counseling appointments and all that, that I am a firstborn. I am a parent pleaser. It drives who I am. Sometimes I've struggled with that, especially when my younger brother got away with everything and I never got away with anything because I didn't try anything because that would have been stupid. But when we, when we sit with ourselves and we, and we really delve deep and we ask the deep questions about who we are, not just how we've lived into who we are, but deep into what we've been created to be and what our gifts are, there's something beautiful that comes out of that. It's a freedom of knowing deep down inside that first and foremost, you are a beautiful child of God. That you have been created in the image of the divine. That means that what you are deep inside, when that is shared and when it flows out of you, it looks like God. Don't just brush that away. And the more that you discover that, the more that you peel away all of those other layers and the things that we put on to protect ourselves, the things that we think we have to do, the things that we have to, you know, power through, all that kind of stuff, and we get down to who we have been created to be, how we are unique, how we're special, how we are different, and how it is that we are beautiful, we'll begin to find that you are a beautiful sheep of God. And that the good shepherd is here to be and to walk with you, to protect you and to go with you into all those dangerous places of life, but also into the beautiful pastures. This week, I pray that you continue to get to know yourself as you listen for others. Go in peace this week, knowing that you are loved and that you are a beautiful child of God. And you, you are special. Who are you, though? Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.